Hola familia, uh, we're back, and in this episode we are back in Santa Rosa, California, which is my hometown, and uh, I got a very special guest with me today, and I may break this up into two parts depending how long it is. Um, I have with me Israel Nunez, and uh, I've known Israel my whole life, and um, I wanted to bring him on because like I mentioned in the first uh, podcast, I wanted to bring around people of color who own businesses, their own businesses, and are doing it. And um, and he's doing it. He's on his own business for a good 10 years. And so I wanted to interview him and ask him questions. And we'll, we'll get into other things as well that I feel like are um, relevant to to what we need, to, what, what what we should uh, what we should discover. And and he uh, he has very good insights, I think. So Israel, uh, you've owned. You own a gym. Yes. Yeah. 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 And uh, and can you can you talk about some of your uh, how it kind of began? Oh, okay. Let me see. Shit from the beginning. Am I allowed to cuss? You could cuss. Okay. All right. I try not to curse too much on the on the. Okay, I'll try not to cuss. But it's okay. It's It's gonna slip out from time to time. That's fine. Um. Okay. So. Shit. Okay. It started way back when there were kids in the neighborhood. And they were beating each other up. I mean, that's when I kind of remember where I thought I should do something with the youth. So what ended up happening is that, you know, I had I lived in a kind of one of those neighborhoods. You know, maybe some of your listeners are familiar with these neighborhoods where you have a lot of gang members and or, or people that are wanting to fight. And so you had two opposing gangs. And I remember I saw them fight like within the first month that I moved in. And I just said, hey, you know, why don't I get these guys the box? <laughs> you know, I said, let me get these guys the box. And and I bought some box, boxing gloves because I knew I, I had the skills. So I said, I'm going to try to round up as many of these kids that I can. And um, I did. I rounded them up, you know, but not like all in one shot, maybe like one at a time kind of deal over, you know, a period of time. And then eventually they got to know me and um, they uh, they they started asking me to do it. You know, hey, you know, I don't like this guy, whatever. I want to box him, this and that. So I would do it. Eventually, I got noticed by one of the youth centers, and um, they, I don't remember how they got word from it, but they did, and then I ended up doing, um, I ended up coaching because she gave me a random call. I don't even know how she got my number, and she said, hey, I run a youth center here in Santa Rosa. Is it possible for you to come and and work with the the youth here, the troubled youth. So I did, and that was the Chops Teen Center of Santa Rosa. How, how many years ago was this? Oh uh, shoot, man! When I first started working with the kids, I'm gonna probably say 14 years ago or so. so about 14 years ago. Yeah, maybe like maybe longer, maybe 15 or 16, give or take. So this has been a journey. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and the funny thing is, is that when I did it, it wasn't really like something that I considered. Um, work. I just kind of actually was entertained by it. <laughs> I was like, well, these guys are beating each other up, you know. What a bunch of jackasses. <laughs> and I go, Why don't they actually just use their energy constructively and, and try to learn how to box correctly, you know, and then, you know, beat each other up that way. And then that way nobody really got hurt because I remember they were using like pipes and like, uh, fuck, you know, crowbars and then like some of them were getting hurt pretty bad that I saw. Um, but when you, you know, you, you throw the gloves on them and it's not so bad, you know, they're going to get beat up, but at least they get their aggression on and they're not going to end up in the hospital, you know? 
And when you when you were doing this, were you, did you also have um, another job at the same time, or was it, you were doing just this at that time? At that time, I was working at the juvenile hall. So you basically you were doing this on your your free time outside of work. I was doing it on my free time, yeah, yeah. And so you're almost using your own money to kind of supplement or to make this to keep this thing going. Yeah, but I didn't see it that way. It was just, yeah. Because some people have these dreams to open up a business, and sometimes they don't get that. Sometimes yeah. you gotta, you gotta. There's grinding. I right? get what you're saying. That's all I'm trying to say. Well, yeah, it definitely. Look, here, here's the deal with with all businesses. I, I you know, in my opinion, um, you know, there's a lot of people that are uh, powerful per se, or business owners, or people with money, and a lot of them understand the concept of you know. Um, first of all, have a passion for what you're going to do. You know, I don't want to get too deep into it, but look, if you have a passion at what you're doing, uh, you're not really working. You're, you're just kind of doing it and you're, you're entertained by it. So what seems like, you know, you know, four hours or five hours for an individual that doesn't consider it a passion, well, that passionate person that does the same thing, it literally feels at times like 30 minutes have gone by. Um, so, you know, you avoid the clock mentality, and yeah, yeah when you do your passion, you don't think about actually working. Mm-hmm. And, and this is not like a new concept. There's there are a lot of people that know this concept. Right. Yeah. So you had you had uh, working out of the teen center mm-hmm. with these troubled youth or these kids who needed help. I would say. Right? Mm-hmm. And then I think where do you go from there? Well, I you know when I went to the teen center. Um, I remember, um, you know, it was pretty much growing. It was growing. A lot of youth started showing up. Um, I did, again, I did all that for free. And then, you know, eventually it got to the point where I was treating them to buy, you know, I don't know. They did a really good job. I'd get them, go get them hamburgers or something like right. that, right? And then I said to myself, well, sh- well man, uh, it's getting kind of pricey. I'm not realizing it, right? You don't realize what, what you're spending sometimes and um, when you're kind of having fun. Right. So then what I did is I said, all right, everyone has to pay up. And it was funny because even when they paid up, and this lasted for years, the very the very money that they gave me, I would use, I would save it, put it in a separate you know, location and said, oh, this is my food spending money for them. Okay. <laughs> so it was still going back to them. Yeah. And it was going back to them because then now I have to take them to competition. I was like, oh, let me take out of the, you know, the the boxing, you know, fund and let, let me put gas and let me go treat them to foster freeze or something, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, again, I was just doing it for free or using their own money, the very money that they gave me to to pay for themselves, to pay for them, right. you know, so. I was just basically their their account manager for a period of time. <laughs> I'm sure they appreciated those numbers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So you went from there, and then eventually, you I think you did you open up your own, uh, got your own spot. You know, I'll, I'll give you. Let me give you a pivotal point um, where everything took like a, kind of a change in my thinking process. So this this went on. There, there was many like little situations I went through in this boxing world. Uh, or helping these youth across Sonoma County kind of, I have to say that because Hillsburg, Rona Park, Santa Rosa, Windsor, those were the cities involved mainly. Um, So a pivotal point happened when a father came up to me at one point after chops and he said, um, you know, I see the way you you, you train these kids and um, 
can you train my son? I said, yeah, I'll train him. So he goes, okay, here's $100. And I said, well, what's this for? He goes, every month I'm going to give you $100. And I said, oh, no, no, you, you misunderstand. I go, these kids, you know, I've been doing this for years, I told the father. I've been doing this for years, and it, I don't charge $100. I charge them $30, and I give it back to them, but they're not fully aware of that. <laughs> I go, so maybe you misunderstood what's going on here, you know? Yeah. And he goes, no, I, I understand perfect. You know, he was, he, he, he had just come from Mexico um, not too long ago, and he was a, one of those hardworking construction-type men that just went to work and did his thing. And um, he tells me, he goes, no, Israel, you misunderstand. He goes, <laughs> he goes, I don't think you fully understand that you're providing a service that these kids really need. And he says, and I understand that when someone wants a service from me, I'm going to charge them. He says, and by me giving you $100, you're going to get what's due to you. And I said, well, well shit, I... Yeah, that's that sounds pretty good. <laughs> so man, I trained this kid for like six months and I got 600 bucks out of it. You know, I was making more money doing my other job. But to me, it felt like, wow, I wonder if I could make money off of this. You know, that was the first time. This is like 10 years later. Mm-hmm. And I said, wow, I wonder if I could make money off of this. And uh, so I could pretty much say it was a pivotal point in my thinking process. Mm-hmm. And so from that point on, I did feel a little more comfortable taking money for a service that I didn't really consider uh, laborious to me, but others did consider it laborious. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it felt good. It was a pivotal point. One thing I wanted to highlight, um, which I think you may have a different perspective on, when owning a business, would you say that you felt that uh, your business grew because you decided to give? Does that make sense? So you were giving, and then it was kind of coming back to you. You know, 100%, Alex, 100% because, and you know, people don't understand that in this world. Um, And this is where the passion comes in. See, people do passionate things every day of their life. Everybody does. Um, There's there's all kinds of people on this planet that are doing, you know, things that that they would consider on a no time zone, Mm -hmm. thus passionate, right? Right. Like me, I mean, I was doing it and I was helping these youth and to me it was fun and, you know, it, you know, it cracked me up for them to get their aggression out and all that other stuff and then just showing them a skill that they liked. Um, but, but the thing is, is that, you know, sometimes, you know, people will even do their passionate situations and then the money factor kicks in, right. which is fine. But I think if you really truly love something and once you find it, I mean, whether you do it for free or for money, it doesn't even matter. So I I would encourage people to find their passion, something that they really like doing and that they're really good at and do it for free. That that's that's that would be my advice if if somebody is thinking about this. So in other words, yes, you can start a business, not give anything away and it may be successful. Right. Yeah. Or you can start a business and, and, and give some of those services away to help maybe those in need. And the person who, but would you say the person who doesn't really give and starts that business and, and, and is successful? I think one thing we mentioned, where you, we had talked to previously before, was that sometimes there's a payoff. There is. So if you get all this money in a business, sometimes, and you don't give it all, sometimes other things happen in your life. 
you know, you were talking about karmic principles, yes. you know, um, you know, every, every, you know, race or religion or country or origin, whatever, they all, they all kind of can name it differently. But I think karma is one of the most common words across the planet, you know, um, but I can tell you pretty much that karma is 100% real. You know, whether you believe it or not, it doesn't even matter. Let's say I don't believe in karma. Who cares? You live under it. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You live under it whether you believe it or not. Well, you know, my religion says I don't care. You still live under it. You know, um, so, yeah, everything is involved with karmic cycles. And so, yeah, you do good. I've, I've understood this concept, um, you know, do good unto others and, and good is done unto you. So whatever energy you put out, energy is redistributed back to you. And here's the cool thing about it. So if I put out, I don't know, I'm just going to throw some crazy numbers. Let's say I, I, I output, you know, 10% positive energy to individuals. Well, I may get about a good return of about 15 to 20% return on that. Mm. Unfortunately, if I output 10% negativity towards people or, you know, you know, bad influences or, you know, just negative words or whatever, then I'll probably get the same in return, if not 15 to 20% as well. So the point is, is whatever you put out, you're going to get it in return. But the sad thing is, well, it could be a good thing and a bad thing. Because if you get good karma in return, well, then it's great. But if you get bad karma, then you're having a bad day. <laughs> and you're not going to like that. Right. Why is this happening to me? Well, you know, you don't, what did you do a couple months ago? Right. You know, you flip right. that person off in the, in the middle of the road, right. you know. So if people don't put these things together. And, and just to be clear, this can affect your family. It yeah, can it, affect your, your, even the breaking down of your home, your car. It okay, so we're going to go deep into this conversation. It's okay? I'll go deep because I'm not sure what the topic is about, but... Well, I, I didn't want to hit the business thing, but I think, I think, I think we've hit that. Okay, yeah, okay. You know what I mean? Well, I can tell you pretty much... Oh, yeah. Now, look. Okay, and, and here's, here's what I understand all my years in this planet. We, because you're saying family, we are the caretakers of our children. So, you know, the problem is, is that we think we're the owners. And we're not necessarily the owners. There is, you know, that balance factor. Okay, don't let your child, you know, walk off the cliff, right? But we take it to an extreme level of control. And that's where the dilemma comes in because your child, as it's growing up, will have lack of expression, um, if your child has lack of expression, well, then it's not really, you know, your child is really not expressing him or herself. They're actually mirroring or copycatting who you are because you've controlled them your whole life. And that's not something you want. You want to be their guide. So, uh, but again, there's a fine line, you know, you know, your kid's, you know, putting his hand into fire. Obviously, you got to do something about that. Right? You're his guide. So there, are, there, is, a, there is this kind of balance you know, um, that you have to demonstrate to your children. And because of this fact that you're a guide to your children and you have, you know, a certain percentage of control, unfortunately, because of these combined energies, yes, if the karmas can affect your children. You know, there is an interlinked energetic factor linked with your family. Right. And they came to you for a reason as a trust. And because they trust you, they understand that you're supposed to make, you know, the appropriate mistakes for their own learning. So depending on what you believe 
or not, your children chose their path and selected you as parents. Right. So the idea of uh, I'm untouchable is completely false. When, when someone says I'm untouchable, I'm untouchable. Yeah, you may not be, but what if things around me? Untouchable in terms of... Well, you know, people say that or they got a lot of money. You know, oh, oh, oh. well, you know, here, here's here's the sad thing about, you know, these karmic rules. Um, the the rules are, are a fact, you know, it's it's the rules of the universe when it comes to karma are a fact in terms of like, you know, gravity, you know, you lift this up, you drop it, it's going to fall. Okay, so... I don't like to point fingers and, and, and to say, okay, that's a bad person or that's a good person because we're all in a learning phase. But to a certain degree, um, there are individuals that, you know, are still in a rough learning phase. And yes, they're multi, multi, multi-millionaires. Right, right. And they are in a learning phase. Uh, in terms of spirituality, they're in a lower grade. Does it mean that you know, they should be wiped out. Well, some, most would say yes, but, <laughs> but I, I, I can't, I, I try not to see it that way because of the fact that they are in a learning phase, even though they're billionaires. So they understand the concepts of karma. So they give a lot. They do their percentage of good. They, they live by a duality nature and understand the duality of the universe. So they say, okay, I can be a quote unquote bad guy, whatever that means. Right. And it, as long as I give, I'll be fine. And sure enough, the rules do apply to them. And the rules will benefit them. If they output money, money input will come in. Right. Now, in terms of their bad deeds, as some would say, you know, they have to learn that. And they have to learn that these, you know, quote unquote, bad deeds are coming back to them. And guess what? They do come back to them. Do they put it together? Probably not because they have so much power, so much ego, and so much money. Now, on the other end, you do have powerful people, multi-billionaires, that understand the concepts a little more than them in terms of spirituality and bad deeds or whatever one would consider bad deeds. Pain unto under, pain under, or I should say pain to other individuals. Mm -hmm. They try to eliminate to give pain to other individuals, if that makes sense. Right. They try to do less harm, certain individuals of this planet, and they have a lot of money. Um, but, but then there are other individuals who care not whether they do harm or not, because um, they know the rules of, hey, money inflow is still coming in. But when their life is going sour in other areas, you know... Um, I, they haven't necessarily put that together correctly yet. Mm-hmm. As we all are learning in different areas of our own lives, mm-hmm. you know. So who are we to say, um, you know, I'm better than that guy when really we're all in this boat together. <laughs> we're all on planet Earth and we're all in a learning phase. Mm-hmm. So. so now you have, um, you have uh, your current business, Ringtime. say it's the largest building you've had so far and you have a good amount of clients and uh, I would say you continue this you, you continue this, this this concept right of, of, of giving right? mm, I do yes yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because of course you like, like you just told me you realize that this is it's fundamental mm-hmm. right um, in the end why do you think it's so important to 
I know you kind of mentioned it, but why do you think it's so important to give? To give, okay, well. Especially as a business owner. You know, people come into this gym and they pay for their membership and um, pretty much it's the same deal. Um, you know, I I guess it's, this, it's almost the same as when I did it for free. In terms of they do give me a percentage of their time and or energy, mm-hmm. but energy reconstructed in a 3D form, which people call money mm-hmm. now. Money is energy. That's all it is. Um, right, because someone had to work for that. So we'll explain that a little bit. Because it, okay, so... Maybe some people don't... Uh, well, see, 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 people are, are, are really stuck in a third-dimensional point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and, and we are. We, we are 3D, okay? But, but to what extent? What do you mean by 3D? 3D is just a third-dimensional re- reality, the right? flesh, flesh, physical right? being. Um you know, animals that are really into 3D, I mean, they hunt and they kill and they, they dominate, right? Um, you know, we are 3D animals to a certain degree. But we're a little bit more than that, and we cross over a little bit into the 4D. Um, and this is, I'm not saying that animals are not 4D, but they can be a little bit too 3D at times. <laughs> okay, so explain 4D. 4D is, is a little bit more advanced in spirit. So we're talking about spiritual things. It's a, this is all spiritual. Okay. So um, spirituality um, is is a concept that a lot of people are not aware of. Well, fortunately, from what I've noticed on the internet within the last ten years, a lot of people are becoming a little bit more wise to spirituality. It would seem there's people waking up a lot more. I've seen it more and more. You know, and you remember I was talking about you and about this information when you were like three years old. <laughs> like, you know, 25 years ago. Yeah, oh yeah. 25 years ago. Yeah. Where, you know, you bring this stuff up and people would think you're crazy, but it seems yeah. like uh, you bring some of these topics up, a lot of people are familiar with them now. Or at yeah. least open to them, to listen to them. Yeah. Right? Would you? you know, and, and yeah, I would bring these topics up and I was pretty much isolated because... Right. You know, this was new information to people. And so for me to see people on the internet talking about it, I, I'm happy. Right. I'm happy because it's like, wow, you know, I can actually have conversations. <laughs> I can't even believe I'm on a podcast talking about it and people are listening to it. Because think of these concepts, what, you know, 10, 12 years ago, it's impossible to talk about these situations. People will give you this weird look. Oh, for sure. Like, what are you about? Well, yeah. You know, when you have all this energy coming at you that you're crazy. You know, that energy does affect you. You know, it's like, and then you start thinking, well, shit, am I? <laughs> but, but you know, my spirit told me that I was real and that it was the, the truth was the truth. And um, so, I, you know, I continued on, you know, to certain individuals, mostly kids and youth and teenagers because they were more open to it. So all this information that you see now, whether it be about, you know, 3D, whether it be about karma, whether it be about energy of individuals or, you know, any of that Maybe stuff. Food has been a big thing, right? Food, like, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, remember, I would tell you guys, I mean, not only were we talking about it, we were doing it. Right. We were eating, you know, certain foods and, and shoot, I mean, I, I go through my extreme modes, but I even went seasonal. So if it didn't grow in the season, why eat it? Right. right? So, um, you and know, herbs, don't the herbs, and then herbs, 
Yeah, I'm, huge right now. yeah, I mean, sure. and I've been doing that for 20 years. Right, so, right. you know, I've been making medicine for like 20 years. So, That's you know, another, uh, uh, that you have as well. well, I'm a naturopathic doctor. I can't say that in California. Oh. So it's against the law. Other states you can. I, in certain states, you could say that you're a doctor. But in California, I'm not allowed to say that, but oh, well, whatever. <laughs> so in California, the law says you have to say you're an ND. ND. Okay. Because the medical doctor, through certain laws and legislation, the MD is the only one. So M, as in Mary, is the only one that is allowed to say doctor. Right. But the ND in California can only say ND. Hold on. Before we get into that, because I like to get into that. Yeah. Uh, I want to get to the pharmaceutical stuff because I made a lot to say about that. Yeah. But before we get to that, I want to get back. Okay, sorry, we're going off tangent. Not that there's nothing wrong with tangents, but I really want to get into the concept of um, how money is 3D. Energy, okay. Energy, right? And why is that? Because, well, because pretty much, to my understanding, uh, when you work for somebody, you're exchanging your life force, your energy, your time. For dollar bills. Correct. Now, so people don't understand the concept. I guess we got off tangent into the 3D and 4D deal. But, um, okay, if we try to keep it simple, um, we harbor energy. Real quick, the reason I want to mention this is because we often think that, I think a lot of people still think that a dollar bill of money is just this piece of paper. And it's it's kind of more than that. And that's why I, I guess I just want to get into that. It, so. Well, so some of the rich and powerful understand this concept. You tr- translate your your energy, your labor, your time, your effort, and in any way you look at it, it's it's reconstructed energy into a paper form. That's all it is. So if you have bunny, it is your energy. And the more you understand this concept, well, shoot, the, the better you'll be able to increase your funds. Because... Um, if that's something that you want to do, but you have to understand the rules of karma. Now, when it comes to, again, this 3D energy, um, don't just think of it as so much as just a paper because um, that energy is there because of what you have done through karma, through your labor, through your efforts, or for other ways. So you've given money away and all of a sudden, hey, you know, all of a sudden, you know, I got this thousand dollars that fell into my lap in one way or another. You're like, wow, or you wanted a casino or something, you know, kind of way out of the ballpark. It's meant for you. Any way you see it, it doesn't matter. That money that came to you in any way, shape or form was meant for you through your own karmic energy because of something that you did. You just, the question is, you know, more of you need to figure out if you want to, if you want to think this deeply, um, okay, what did I do for this money to get there? Mm-hmm. Because whether or not it's meant for you is not even a question. That money is meant for you. Right. But what about on the other hand when someone steals? Same concept. So let's say, um, okay, so you've been stealing at work. Uh, you work at a restaurant and every every chance you get, I mean, shit, you, 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 you try to steal, you know, a soft drink and, and the boss said, hey, soft drinks are not free. But you're like, eh, you know, or, you know, or, or maybe it's something simple as this. Okay, you're only allowed to drink, you know, one soft drink a day. But you take three because nobody's paying attention. Well, you have a contract with the boss because the boss told you. And 
if the unless the boss says otherwise, because verbal contracts are very real. And so you take more than one. Next thing you know, you know, two years later, you know, <laughs> those three soft drinks add up in price. So two years later, you're driving and, you know, boom, you hit a car. I'm not saying that this is going to happen. I'm just giving you like an example scenario. Um, you don't know why you hit that car, but you did. And, you know, you, you think of, well, maybe you do know. You're thinking of all these reasons. Oh, my God. You know, I was looking over here. I did that. I did this. Anyway, you cut it. You hit that car. It's your fault. And all of a sudden, there's complications in the insurance. And you got to pay for it. Shit, I got to pay th- you know, five hundred dollars. All these things start popping up. You know, and then you're like, "Well, what the fuck just happened?" I mean, oh my god, this is my. I, I have such a horrible life. Why does this happen? Why did this always have to happen to me? You're not understanding the little details. The little details. Well, what about the soft drinks? Well, no, nobody puts that together. Nobody even thinks about it. Or what about the towels you steal at the at the hotel? Or what about the music you you steal down off, off you know online? Nobody thinks about that. Nobody. They just like oh well hey, it's free. Everybody else is doing it. Or the movies that you could steal online or anything. There are why because every single thing that's produced took it's energy. It took energy to produce that exactly. And there's energy. contracts and energy. there's contracts. Whoever put that song together and without their permission is somehow ended up online for free. That's not according to their own energetic contract. And now if they allow it, that's a whole different thing. Right? Now, if they say, <laughs> Hey, everybody take my music. Well, then we're all good. Right. But according to their verbal contract, that is not the case. And, you know, people make, you know, obviously physical 3d contracts, but verbal contracts step a little bit over to the fourth dimension, which makes them very, very real, if not more potent. And why is that? Because now we're speaking more of spirituality. Why is verbal? Why, why is verbal so powerful? Verbal is powerful because verbal is is a contract more situated into the 4D because it's something that you have constructed in your own mind, in your own personal being. If you tell somebody, hey, don't touch me, you've just created a contract. And you've told them, don't touch me. So if they touch you, you're probably going to get really upset. Right. You know, so... Does that, uh, it kind of goes back into the, the history of the words, spell and spelling, right? Because words have are almost magical in a sense. Right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Now, uh, when you say things, you are... Well, that's a whole other three hours of conversation. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so yeah, yeah. No, spelling is very... Uh, yeah, I mean, if people research etymology mm-hmm. and the understanding of words, right? So etymology meaning study of words. the study of words, then people would understand how powerful words truly are. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it's a whole other topic. Um, but yes, it is a fact that we use words day in and day out. I mean, shit. Let's go to Star Wars. Mm-hmm. You know, the most famous Yoda quote of all time. Do or do not, there is no try. Because people will go, you know, throughout their day and they'll say stuff like this. Hey, you know, um, yeah, you know, I've been meaning to do that. Or I'm going to try to do that. Well, that to me, to me, to someone like me is like, you're not going to do it. You just told me you're not going to do it. Um, if you're going to go to the store, because you ran out of milk because you have no milk for your cereal, you're not going to say, 
I'm going to try to go to the milk and get some, or I'm going to try to go to the store and get some milk. You're not going to say that. You're going to say, I'm going to the store and I'm going to get some milk. It's not that you're going to reach all these obstacles. No, you know you're going to grab that milk. You know you're going to succeed and it's going to be an effort. But guess what? That milk's going to end up in your plate. It, life is that simple. Because words can become the actions. Yes. And if you tell yourself, I am going to do this, here's where it becomes a dilemma. Okay, so you're going to the store. You know that it's going to take energy to open that door and energy to take a, foot, a few footsteps and energy to turn on that car. Now, is the energy like extremely laborious? Probably not to most individuals. So... But nevertheless, you know that you have to give out energy to do this. So you go to the store, you do this, you get in your car, you drive, you know, you get into the store, you have to talk to the checker, you, or you grab the milk, you talk to the checker, pull out your money. Okay, so all these, you know what's gonna, what it's going to take. Now, so someone says, hey, I want to be an actor. And they pretty much make an effort to understand all the laborious tasks that are necessary. And boom, they become an actor. Yet, has it taken 10 years? Yes, but they understood that. So they become successful. And this is the concept with life. But then you have your other individuals that say, well, I'm going to try to be a fireman, you know, or I'm going to try to be this. And to me, they've already failed. Because they're not willing to take the steps and or the requirements through labor to make it a success. So... And when you're talking about labor, you have to understand the ups and downs because you're going to have your off days. You're going to have your good days. And this is the duality of the universe. If you you think or most people just think that you can go into any position and it's supposed to be an easy ride, but it's not a, it's not the case. That's no not, successful person has ever said that. No, there always it's has not to, it's not reality. You have to get through the pitfalls because, again, and it goes back to what is real and spirituality is real. It is first and foremost the most important. And through this laborious duality of ups and downs or negatives and positives, you become a stronger spiritual individual and that's really what it all breaks down to money and success and all that it really comes second nature to spirituality but hey if you get it it's fun why not you know what i mean but but what really is ultimately important is spirituality and people don't fully understand that they think everything is mostly 3d and it isn't isn't. no We, we we live an everlasting life um our body never dies you know this is a journey a temporary one but an exciting one, depending on how you see it. And it's exciting because of the, you know, you're on a roller coaster because of those dips that really freak you out. And you're like, oh, shit, you're falling, right? And then you go up. and It's like, oh, this is cool. It's smooth. It's up. It's right. So that's life. You know, you're going up and down, up and down. Yeah. I remember I was, I was hearing somebody say, like, it's kind of, at least in the physical, if the physical, were to, like this physical body that we have, if, if it were to last a million years, we probably wouldn't do anything. Because we think, oh, we had a million years. What's the point? Right? So in a sense, that's why we almost feel like we have to accomplish things, right? And like we do things or help people because we feel like, oh, we don't Oh, you mean like kind of hasty? Kind of, or people try to rush things but sometimes? Just, well, just, just to do things in general in life, right? That, that are meaningful. 
because we often yeah. feel like, you know, this life is... Limited. Limited. True. Um, I guess some people do feel that way. Um, no, I can see that because of the fact that, you know, people do... Well, you know, okay. People put themselves into a situation where they plug themselves in. And I mean, shoot, I would probably say maybe 80% of people where they plug themselves into what is typically called the rat race. Mm -hmm. So there's timelines and maybe that's kind of similar to what you're referring to. Okay. So, you know, you are at the age of one through 18. So you fall into the rat race paradigm in that age bracket, which means, and everybody knows school. So it's all about learning, 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 or however you want to call it, programming, (laughs) depending on what you consider uh, or where you're learning. But most of the school systems are just programming. Um, You can learn real information away from school, or you can try to decipher or benefit the good stuff from school, but a lot of it is programming. Now, can you you get into that? What does that mean? mean? How are they programming? Well, every, I mean, I used to be a teacher. So, you know, especially here in California, we have um, school standards, California standards, and you have to abide by the California standards. A teacher can't just go off their own intellectual capacity. They have to follow the program. And according to now, let's say that the teacher wants to go off and start teaching what they consider, you know, good or real information. It's almost impossible. Because of the fact that there's so much information that the that these kids have to get for the California standards that the teacher's not allowed to. So every and who creates the standards? Well the government does. So so the fact of the matter is is that the hierarchy of the system is basically and or the government bodies are the ones that are teaching the kids. And what what would you say are some of the main points they're trying to program? Like that may not be so You know, there's so much information out there into the system that I'll try to keep it more general, more analysis, more uh, left brain thinking. Two plus two equals four. All the information according to that type of analysis. So regurgitation. I threw it out. You spit it back. kids aren't able to really think or be creative on their own you know there are some programs in schools obviously that they have these creative scenarios but ultimately the the bigger you know scope of it or the bigger understanding be you know with the big dogs if you will is it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. because ultimately we control the big picture which is regurgitation of information you know let them be little have their little creative you know groups and whatnot because ultimately we control the big picture And the big picture is have these kids on a higher percentage programmed to spit back information via a test. And that's just the way we do it. And the test is the determining factor, you know, for most universities uh, to be considered as an intelligent type of, you know, thinking capacity for school. You know what I mean? Which is, you know, it's just... And many of these tests have been found to be even racist, well, you know, I've heard of that. Let me think. Okay, well, you know, if we're if we're talking about, you know, I think you're talking more about IQ tests, right? Yeah. Yeah, more of an IQ test. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, sure, I mean, look, the, the, the human mind has the capacity through left brain thinking that the more you use it, the more it's going to function correctly. And it doesn't matter. I mean, obviously, you know, some kids are um, a little bit more connected through their DNA, you know, for mathematics or science. And nevertheless, we're all gifted in one way or another. Now, through repetition of information, anybody could do whatever they want. So for someone to tell me, well, he's a genius. Well, the fact of the matter is, is that he probably puts more time into it. You know, what do we put our time into is really what it's all about. And I've noticed that the, that the kids that put more time into the information that's been given to them, well, they can regurgitate it better. So these kids are considered genius when it's usually not the case, you know, in a lot of these Asian circles, like, you know, Japanese and, and Chinese, you know, they, you know, sometimes they're putting seven days a week. So their regurgitation is much more efficient. So their life is dedicated to academics. Uh, to, <laughs> to my point of view, um, unfortunately, yes. Okay. Now, I personally think, no, you know, and I, I'm not saying that I'm right. I'm just telling you what's, what's going on. From, but from my point of view, I think people need to use their right side of their mind a little more, which is their emotional um, uh, side now, or or thinking process, and, and it's also have to do with creativity, right? Creativity, and you know, think on your own. You know, the answer is this, but it doesn't matter. You want it to be this because you feel it's that. <laughs> you know, but but the school doesn't want that right side to be as active. Well, they might give you an art class here and there, you know, where you use it, but but you know, they have to give you a little bit, right? Sort of like you know, religious texts. They can't just give you, um, you know, a hundred percent bullshit. They can't because then you won't believe it. They have to give you 99% truth, 1% bullshit. Does it have to go back to uh, or kind of a comparison? I always like bring it up to the Matrix where the, remember the machines had to create the Matrix. Exactly. To, to believe the lies. Exactly. Otherwise they'd wake up. Yeah, if, you, if everything is too perfect of the information that's coming your way, you're going to catch on. Your intuition is going to kick in. Something's not right here. Right. So it's the same, like I said, with religious texts or with the school system. Wait a minute, wait a minute, something's not right here. You know, so so what they, you know, everybody, you know, it's almost like when you get caught, like, I don't know if you've been in this scenario, but you get caught. Like, one of the co most common things, you have a girlfriend mm -hmm. and she catches you. So you're like, shit, I'm caught. Mm -hmm. Let me give her a little bit of truth <laughs> to kind of twist it. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? I, I mean, I see people do it all the time. Okay, look, I was talking to her. Okay, yes, you got me. I was talking to her. But no, we didn't do anything else besides that. Okay, yes, we've been talking on the phone. But you know very well that you hooked up all the way. But people will twist the story around to give as much truth as they can so that that one little lie is not exposed. Mm. And this is, this is a very genius human concept. Right. <laughs> Just people don't think about it. Because uh, in the animal kingdom, they don't do things like that. Well, they're not as 4D as... I mean, they are 4D, but in a different way. We're more advanced when it comes to certain intellectualities. Yeah. Humans are the only things that do things like that, right? Manipulate. Manipulate, yep. And use a lot of duality. Right. You know, so... So we're talking about 1 through 18, right? The elementary, middle school, high school doing this. What about when you go to college? Okay, college, it's the same deal. Regurgitation. Here's the information, spit it out. It's the same deal. Now, the percentages do increase into more creativity and, you know, be original in your thought process. Now, there are trends in certain schools that try to, you know, have people think a little more and so forth, and which is fine. 
Um, but you know, you sometimes you have to be careful in 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 terms of you as the individual. I, I wouldn't. I'm not. I'm not going to try to discourage anybody from going to school or you know, because then next thing it's like, oh shit, you know, everybody drop out. You know, <laughs> uh, just just to get background, you you have your degree. I have a degree. I have several degrees. You have several degrees. So you have education, but I think so, you, you can see both sides, right? You can see the obviously the pros, the pros and the cons. I could now. Every time I I took up my studies. Um, you know, whether I was at the, you know, high school or junior college or university level or studying for my naturopathic, I understood of the regurgitation effect. But I also try to compose information based on my own intellectuality. I knew what the requirements were. I knew what was necessary. And it was kind of boring to me. You know, I got my degree and it's like, yeah, blah, whatever. Here you go. This is what you want for the degree. Here you go. Take it. But always uh, for me was... You know, I have to have my own information. I have to do my own studies to figure out what most of the truth is. You know, so there was always like this extra study time, if you will, for me, mm-hmm. where I knew I had to complete the job that was required of me for the degree. Okay. Saw it like a job kind of deal. Yeah. But real learning, real learning. Now, once you get into that mode of real learning, you're going to be a little bit more um, satisfied with the results and it's not going to feel like so time consuming Mm -hmm. because you're going to be in that passionate state. If you want to learn about something, you should learn about it because you're curious and your spirit is, has that eagerness to want to know more about it. You know, what's interesting is that I, uh, I still know a lot of people who have gotten their degrees, young people like around my age, a little bit younger. It's as if they didn't learn anything. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Degrees, right? Yeah. It seems like the system now is where, what you just said, it's, it's um, the regurgitation. Mm-hmm. Learn the concept, pass the test, move on. Exactly. Instead of learning, but you may have some of the classes in college, I don't know, some psychology classes or, or whatever, history classes, etc. but you're not learning anything because they're, they're training you to regurgitate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I, I do see that more and more. And I look, most of the information that I had to regurgitate to pass the test. Well, shit, I don't know any of it right now, you know, but look, on a subconscious level, I know I picked up on a few situations here and there. Um, but but the fact of the matter is, is that most of the passionate learning that I did was on my own. You know, there were times where I was studying, you know, for for a test. You know, or, or not even that, just, you know, reading for a class or whatever. And I was like, oh, wow, that's interesting. But it didn't come too often. It was more like I really understood that. So to answer your question, I, there are so many. I mean, I mean, I remember seeing this guy, I think he was on YouTube or something. And he was going around asking people how the earth rotates around the sun. And shit, about 90% of the people got it wrong. Because nobody knew right. simple concepts, right. you know, and, and, and there's a lot of little simple concepts like that that our people are not aware of because they're so left brain thinking. If it, if I wasn't taught, why should I know? One of the best things to know is like your your position on this planet and the seasons and how you're connected to the planet and you're connected to the cosmos. Mm-hmm. You know, the, I think everybody should learn that because. Our understanding of who we are is in connection with the one and all and all of us. And by doing that, you you have to get into the details a little bit. So knowing that you're connected to the planet and how it rotates and 
you know, obviously I don't want you to learn, you know, people, I think people shouldn't learn maybe like the whole galaxy and all that <laughs> stuff, but, but at least understand the earth and your connection to it and the seasons and so forth, you know, mm-hmm. because it does change the way, um, you think and the way you are understanding the seasons and your connection to it. And it, and it, plus it makes you a better steward for the planet. Um, we are symbiotic. We are symbiotic to the planet, and people don't understand that. Mm. If the planet is acting up, because I remember that was one of the things we needed to talk about. Right. Before we get into that, we're right. getting almost an hour, so I want to wrap this one up, and then we'll begin part two. Is that okay? All right, sounds good. Okay, so I'm going to wrap this one up. If All you right. guys uh, uh, catch us in part two, we're going we're to keep talking about some of these things. We're going to talk about the pharmaceutical industry as well, and, uh, and, and of course, the universe and... And I want to talk about the planet as well and what's going on with the planet. Uh, So catch us in part two.